Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is doing well and is very happy with this summer weather. Yeah, hello everyone. Have you got your choppers out ready for this one? <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some pun there to be made about a helicopter dick, I think. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> Where was was that Newcastle? Was it Newcastle at Oxford in the in the FA Cup where he it, the yeah, and they did that in the stand was it it, it was at Ox it was definitely at Oxford it might have been Sunderland at Oxford where they I were th- vaguely remember it but I can't remember who was playing it someone, does ring a someone, bell someone did a helicopter dick yeah he yeah. was helicoptering on low TV <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think of the um, the Golden Rule Lonely Island video where it, when Lady Gaga's like spinning her head around yeah, yeah. excellent. To impress a chick do with a helicopter dick. Yeah. Sadly, this film is nowhere near that interesting. <laughs> this is Firebirds, which weirdly, I went to um, Medicine Bakery yesterday, which obviously is next to the, the lighthouse. And as I was walking in, they had a film on advertised called Firebirds. Hmm. It's It was all one word, whereas this is two words. And it was two men in the sea together. So I don't know if it was a gay cowboy kind of film. Um but it really threw me for a minute. I was like, that's not the film we're talking about. So I was a bit confused. This one is also known as Wings of the Apache. So I don't know. I've never heard of Wings of the Apache or Firebirds, to be perfectly honest. So I don't know which was released in which domain. Do either of you pair know either of those titles? Or is this no. brand new? Absolutely brand new to me, this. Um, never heard of it. Wish I had the Tommy Lee... Jones device from Men in Black, <laughs> so I've never have to heard of it again. <laughs> I mean, bearing in mind as well that, as you probably expected, I, I did a few like air shows and stuff in the da- back in the day, <laughs> and I had um, I had an air fix model of an Apache, and I love that thing, and I love Apache helicopters. Out of all the things that, <laughs> when there are air shows, I mean, when I went to it's probably about four or five years ago now. Last time that was at Cosford, and you could, you could, the doors were open, you could go inside, mm-hmm. and it's like taking Ethan as an excuse to go in there, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was amazing. But yeah, you know the Airfix ones where you break all the little pieces off the the main mm. plastic and paint them yourself and everything. And I had it in a piece of string in my room, and I love that thing. And I was when I saw the <laughs> the poster for this, I thought I quite fancy doing an Airfix model again. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just accept being middle-aged there anyway. Um, just bring it on. But even me loving Apaches, I'd never heard of this film. Or even a, even a hint of it at all. No, no. I imagine you were quite excited about it, though, when you found out that yeah. it was about helicopters. Yeah. Mm. Very excited. Yeah. So, obviously, the cast, we've also got Tommy Lee Jones, stalwart of cinema. Um I can't say he's an actor who I think he's amazing, but he's always solid in everything he does. Is that fair to say, uh, Matt? Do you think more more highly of him than I do? What's What's Tommy Lee Jones to you? Um, 
the, well, the thing is, Tommy Lee Jones is natural born killers. He's mm. one of the he's of one of the stars yeah. of that film. So he's always going to be he. Yeah, he, he is actually he's one of the. I don't want to go too much into you know the, this film. But he's one of the only positives for me. Uh, you know, he, he's natural born killers. He's um, he's Men in Black as well. Um, he doesn't he play someone not in Kill Bill. He plays like um, No Country for Old Men. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he's he's in more than you realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and Future I don't. Too, he, he, I mean, yeah. he often puts just exactly the same performance, no matter who he is. He's the same character yes. in every film. But you know, I like Coca Cola, no matter what country I go to. <laughs> So is that yeah. necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a Tommy. I'm a Tommy fan. Mm, that, see, I think that's my issue with him. Is it's just that he's he's very one note. He's very good at that one note, but there's just not a lot of range for me personally. Oh yeah, Stu thoughts? Yeah, dude. I he talks really fast and everything he ever does, and he's all that kind yeah. of authoritative and very straight to the point. He's almost like the. Almost like the, the police version of the Glenmore show military man. <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? Is that kind of, that kind of person when you kind of think of Tom Lee Jones? But yeah, it's. I can't think of him being bad in anything because he's the same in everything. Mm, yeah, absolutely. He's like he's a solid seven out of ten in absolutely everything. I think. Yeah. Which I mean, I mean that that's not a bad thing. You know, you can make a damn good career off the back of that. Uh, the other actor in this one who is pretty well known would be Sean Young, who obviously Rachel from Blade Runner is probably the yeah. highlight of her career. Um, she's done quite a lot of films, but I've got to be honest, not a massive amount that I think I've seen other than Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. But she, again, everything I've seen her in, she's always good enough. Stu, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's, as soon as you say Sean Young, you think Rachel. Yeah. And yeah, you do. If that was her in the second one or not, or if it was some kind of weirdness and some kind of face mapping, I don't know. I know she's credited as being in the second one, but yeah, the the aging stuff you can never tell anymore. Um, but yeah, obviously I love Blade Runner anyway, so thinking, well, this can't be shit with this cast. Hmm. <laughs> Everyone we were. <laughs> don't bet on it, <laughs> Matt. Do you like Sean Young, Blade Runner? Um, I, well, I, I, yeah, but I can't really think of anything else that I've seen. I mean, other than other than that, to be fair, it's not really mm. someone that jumps off the page for me. Um, yeah, I mean, Blade Runner is one of those. I think everybody with half a half a brain enjoys Blade Runner or should. Mm. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I'm not too au okay with the back catalogue. Otherwise, mm. I imagine you will probably know. You'll know a lot of the films she's been in without particularly recognising mm. her from those films. Uh, which isn't, again, not a bad thing for an actor to be able to just embody somebody and then go off and do something completely different. Uh, one thing that I was quite intrigued about on this was going to be the music. Cause it was David Newman who did this. David Newman you'll know from Bill and Ted. He did the first two films of that. He did DuckTales, which is one of my favourite fucking films as a kid. Um, Honeymoon in Vegas, which we watched not that mm. long ago. Galaxy Quest, and he did last year's West Side Story, which is where I recognise the name from because that was obviously my favourite film of last year. So I had high hopes on this score. Um, I don't know if it really delivered it, unfortunately. 
and the director is David Green, which is a name which rang a bell. And when I looked, he was the director who did Buster with Phil Collins. Oh, I love that film. Yes, yeah, a good film, but he's not got a massive amount else to his name, unfortunately. So IMDb describes this film as elite Apache helicopter pilots are tasked with destroying powerful armed drug cartels operating in South America. Now you have a new objective in your lives to become masters of air to air combat tactics. Okay, baby, let's do it. Pilot's good. You have a problem with women in the army, Preston? Not with all of them, sir. Aren't you forgetting something? You keep them. Come on, show me what you got. Gee, is this a quiz, sir? Your whole life's a quiz, young man. Wash you out if you can't cut it. You clear on that? I got it, I got it! It's like sex. I need you to help me out. Hardly anybody gets it perfect the first time. We're pushing these guys a little too hard, sir. He wants me out of here. I think it could be one of the best. <laughs> begin with a rah-rah America George Bush senior quote. <laughs> I can't be asked to read, so I'll be perfectly honest. I just <laughs> ignored it and carried on. <laughs> uh, a helicopter flies with the sun behind it, arguably the most cliched trope in any helicopter-based cinema, surely. We see Jake Preston, that'll be Nick Cage's character, talking to a room of stuffy white shirts, explaining that he has been working with a local drug enforcement agency to train them to take on local drug cartels. He's recanting a tale of when his copter was flying on a mission and was shot down by a cartel who seemed to do their trades with helicopters. This just seemed really bizarre to me, like the fact that drug drug cartels were using helicopters rather than just going over in cars. I don't know why it just... Maybe this is how drug lords work, but all the other <laughs> films we've ever seen with drug cartels, this is not how it goes down, and it just it didn't sit right with me straight from the bat. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why they couldn't have just had this as, like Top Gun, nameless foreign foe, as opposed yeah. to, why did it have to be drugs cartel? Because... It's not like this is Breaking Bad or Ozark or anything like that, where it was dodgy political dealings or anything like that. It, it could have just been nameless foreign superpower, and we would have been mm. no, it wouldn't have raised any questions. I mean, if you want something kind of covert and inconspicuous, a fucking helicopter, <laughs> the uh, the most. <laughs> <laughs> 
the easiest thing to go and disguise, is it really? And no. It, and having someone who's the best, one of the best pilots they've ever seen, working for the cartel, <laughs> it's it's you you knew it was one of these when it didn't make any sense straight away. Yeah, the the only reason I can assume it was against a drug dealer was it must have been to do with like America's war on drugs in the mid to late eighties. Mm. That's the only reason I can see behind it because it didn't really play a part in the rest of the film. It was a bit weird. As you say, it would have been better off if it was those decent Europeans. That, that would have been enough. Like, yeah. But yeah. The shirts in the room decide to set up a training camp for helicopter pilots to attract attack sorry, the drug cartels. Tommy Lee Jones gets brought in as the lead trainer, Brad Little. Why is it every time Tommy Lee Jones gives a speech, all I can hear him saying is, what I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse and doghouse in that area. Every time he talks, I expect him <laughs> to end every <laughs> sentence with that. Little sits in on Preston's first flight, keeping an eye on him after being told that Preston is the one to watch. We see the cop, the chopper do some flips and spins and shit. When they get back to land, Little introduces Preston to a couple of other pilots, including Billy Lee Guthrie, and that's Sean Young's character. We get a little bit more exposition. A drug cartel planted a bomb taking out some DEA officers. They reiterate that this mission is the number one priority for the government. Whilst attending Little's birthday bash, Preston tries it on with Guthrie, because of course he does. It's Nicolas Cage. It's heavily implied at this stage that they had a previous relationship and we do find out in a little bit that they were together until Guthrie decided to leave to further her own career. We get some more training stuff, this time on a VR machine. It was like watching an episode of Craig Charles's Cyberzone back from 1993. It was awful. Preston does well, but he's an arrogant prick about it and then they die in the game. We get more sex pest stuff from Preston as he tries to force himself on Guthrie. She banters him away and we next see her in a club dancing with some other dude. This all feels very much like they're about to start singing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> Preston tries it on again and gets bantered away. The day after at work, whilst in a meeting, Preston holds up his clipboard to Guthrie and he's just written the word sex on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're supposed to be rooting for this guy and he just seems like a sex pest. He's not a good person, by all accounts, in this movie. This is the half-hour point now. So, Stu, what are your thoughts on the opening? How is he allowed out on his own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like... If- he might as well just rape her on the tarmac. I mean, that, that's as it, it's it's as bad as it gets. I know, mm. I know it's the eighties and whatever, but like when he, he said, "Have you got anything against female pilots?" and he went, "Yeah, this one, <laughs> or, or not this one, or something like that." And you think, and just the way he looks at her, it's like, well, he look. You're supposed to believe that they've had something in the past, but he's looking at her like he's never seen a woman before. <laughs> yeah, it's very true, isn't it? And he's she, a homeless man looking at food. That's what he was. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, there's a few like crazy cage bits straight away as well. Um, when she said, when she says no, and he, he he goes way over the top, and just baffled at how shit it is. <laughs> as a half, <laughs> you think it was again? Is it is it a parody? Is it supposed to be like this? Is it mm. is it like a 
kind of scary movie to scream kind of thing. Is this what a piss take of Top Gun? I don't know because I couldn't take I couldn't take it seriously. No, same. Matt, what did you think of the opening? Well, the biggest thing that listen, I'm 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 getting older. My hearing is not as good as it used to be. With drumming for years, without any ear protections, anything like this. I swear to God, they kept saying. Mr. President, not Mr. Preston, because all I could um, because they were in the room. I kept hearing this. Oh, so uh, Mr. President, and I was like, "What? What? He's the president? What the kind of fucking crazy film is this?" Um, which would put me off for them for the start. But then when we had this juvenile child who's supposedly the young upstart pilot who's doing his best impression of a sex pest, I just didn't know where this was going like at all. I was like. You know, yeah, then, then there was drug cartels and there was this. There was like, It had all the makings of being, like, amazing, this film. <laughs> but it was like, you've got all the ingredients for an amazing meal and then you've ended up just fucking cooking absolute slop. And that's how I just felt at the start, like, for the, for the first half an hour. I knew this was never going to redeem me at all. You know, I was like, it, already the pauses are beginning to go do something else at 30 minutes, <laughs> at 20 minutes I'm pausing. I'm coming back 10 minutes later. I'm pausing. I'm, I'm having a browser's Instagram and TikTok. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this film did not keep my attention at all. No, no, you, you are right. Uh, exactly the same. It took me like two and a half hours to get through an 80 minute film. Mm. It's really bad. I mean, yeah. there was one. I don't, I don't really keep a lot of things just in my head. I don't write notes anymore. But when Tom Lee Jones said it, is as busy as a three-peckered goat. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase in my life. And you think, okay, fair, fair enough. You've got something going for you, but this was as good as it got. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a damning indictment, isn't it? Right. So, little tries to teach Preston a lesson when he sees his lax attitude whilst boxing, but after getting a few good shots, in the younger Preston has the last laugh, knocking little down on his ass. The day after, Little struggles to wake up and get to his feet, looking like he went 10 rounds with Tyson. And Preston is running around as sprightly as an excitable pup. Whilst training again, Preston is struggling to bring the chopper down. He can't seem to focus, literally within two minutes. This problem that could possibly end Preston's career is solved. (laughs) So they figure out that he's got a left eye bias rather than a right eye bias which is generally what most people most right-handed people would have and yeah within two sec within two minutes we've got the answer to this like at least try and make a little bit of a drama out of it but no it was here's a problem oh that's the answer job done but did you do it though yeah. did you do the thing the series one's more dominant I did. I've done it with the. I've done the hearing test to figure out which one's more dominant before, but I haven't done the eye one. Yeah, because my. I he- think I am right. Yeah, my hearing and eyes, it's left left side dominant, even though I'm right-handed. No right. Okay. See, I'm like how that works. I'm like it's him. kind of interesting. So you're like Nick Cage in yeah. this, are you? <laughs> like a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> sex pest. Juvenile. Yeah. yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> So Preston takes his problem to Little, asking him for help. The day after, to solve this, Little ties a pair of panties to Preston's head and gets him to drive a jeep around the base at high speed. 
it was a nice little bit of silly bollocks. Like it was the first time I think we got that in this film, especially when he bumps into the sergeant when the sergeant rocks up on the base next to him and catches them dicking around doing something really quite dangerous. <laughs> it's the first time this film felt a little bit fun, I thought. Well, this is what I mean, because it, it, it looks like some kind of cardboard periscope that he's got taped to his <laughs> eye. <laughs> yeah. And this is why I thought this is not a serious film at all. And, and then you get to this point and you think, it really isn't a serious film? No. I don't know what, <laughs> what it is. <laughs> uh, even though it was the 1990s, we do get an 80s montage Flashing back to the Craig Charles VR machine and other training nonsense. Preston and Guthrie go out to celebrate because he's now got over his two-minute issue. Uh, They get in the car and go through a desert, then arrive at a restaurant wearing completely different clothes. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't make any sense. Preston tries to kiss Guthrie. She says, hold your horses. And then literally 29 seconds later, he forces himself on her. We then see them dancing and making out in this big empty room with a white piano behind them, but no one was playing it. And then they bang. I don't know why they, if they've even left the restaurant at this point, there's nothing to show that they aren't still in that same place. We get more helicopter stuff, flips and tricks. They do a dogfight in the skies between the trainees. That's an hour at this point. So we've only got the final act, which is the last 20 minutes. What did you think about the middle portion of the film? What did you think, Matt? I considered trying to blag just reading the plot on Wikipedia and not watching the rest. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I thought, I'm, I'm not going to miss anything here. Like, I, I, I'm, There's nothing that I'm spectacular that surely that I can discuss in long form of this. Like, It's just, it's complete and utter filler from start to finish all filler no thriller mm-hmm. um it was there was it was really really poor just from start like and again just just to reiterate it had all the ingredients of being great it could have been great do you know what i mean they could have just done a high octane you know especially especially because of top gun i was in the mood for this film um and it just, it was so boring. It was just, so, it was just there's nothing great. There's nothing good about it. The relationships that they explored weren't explored enough. The action sequences weren't that great to begin with. The dialogue between the characters, especially Nick Cage, was absolutely dreadful. And um, him just being this like completely arrogant, over the top, high flying, no pun intended pilot. Do you know what I mean? It was just, mm. it was just piss poor. I couldn't wait for it to end. Yeah. Stu, were you in agreement? <laughs> I would. I was just waiting for the next nonsense to happen. Is it, I mean, that whole thing with the eye stuff, I mean, if that actually happened, you'd be discharged, wouldn't you? You'd be put on a medical. I believe so, yeah. And they would say, oh, yeah, you go and see him, he'll sort you out. And then the whole cardboard periscope and pants thing. <laughs> but, it, it, I mean, I'm making it sound better, more enjoyable than it was because it was just stupid. <laughs> it wasn't. It's was like, okay. I kind of get what you're doing, but uh, the best part about it that I enjoyed was the VR, and that that was for the well the the simulator stuff, mainly for the reason that I remember polygon graphics like that, <laughs> and, yeah. and it, it made me want to go and play virtual racing again. 
<laughs> it's the highlight of it. Is it made you want to do something else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the final lap begins. We get the team together and they are shipped out to South Africa to take on a cartel. When they arrive in South America, the base gets attacked by insurgents. You see all of these big explosions going off, but you don't actually see any missiles or any bad guys attacking them. <laughs> they all then just jump into a helicopter, take off and save the day with a 15-minute sequence of them flying and crashing with no enemy in sight whatsoever. And that's the end of the film. <laughs> 15-minute fucking action sequence against nothing. So the final act was pretty short. It felt to me like the enemy wasn't really anything. We only saw their plane, uh, not plane, sorry, helicopter once. We only saw one actual opposition. The fact that the bad guys were, oh no, sorry, they were in planes, weren't they, in this? The yeah, bad guys that, that, did that have stealth. A, yeah, they, they had that stealth one, yeah. So that seemed off to me. So we're supposed to be in this helicopter fighting film and we've got a chopper against a fucking stealth plane. It didn't make any sense. And we're supposed to feel worried for our heroes, but they were fighting an invisible enemy. It just seemed really pointless, and it just felt like empty calories. Mm, there was nothing there to nourish me. No, there's a couple... The, the, the final 20 was the only bit of it that gave me some, if we're going down this analogy, some nourishment. Um, and that's only because they used a Stinger missile, which reminds me of the first Metal Gear Solid. I mean, that's like the only thing that like yeah, was helpful about it. And the way that um, Jones was barking orders on how to put the Stinger missile together, which was like, I thought, done quite, you know, it was quite humorous. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you've, you've been served a steaming pile of shit as your starter. You've been served a ste- steaming pile of shit as your dessert. Your, your dessert is a steaming pile of shit but with a side of like, I don't know, fucking French fries or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like with a sprinkle of sugar on top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it, it doesn't do anywhere near enough to redeem this. No. Stu, what do you think? I mean, like, like, obviously we mentioned earlier that I like helicopters and planes and stuff. So I enjoyed the bits of them flying around and blowing up and that kind of stuff. But again, where with this, fake drug lord slash super pilot where is this stealth plane come from that looks that looks experimental especially for the time you wouldn't really see anything like that anyway um definitely not in a in a drug cartel in the in the middle of Colombia or wherever the fuck it was um yeah just really just odd um hmm. but yeah the uh, Assembling the assembling the uh, the missile out of helicopter parts was quite funny, um, but again, it was just convenient that these uh, these elite soldiers couldn't uh, couldn't shoot her when she was just there in plain sight on the ground and able to run away. But as <laughs> you you expect this from this kind of film, mm. but yeah, it's just I think the fact that the the, um, the main guy we we saw the footage of him being taken away. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like an like ITV news report, like taking away to court or something. You know, what, yeah. What, is this the same footage twice? Because it seemed like it, and like you don't see any of the other, other henchmen and things like that. You'd presume they'd be South African at this time. Um, it's just oh, baffled, baffled how it was made. 
And it was made for a princely sum of $22 million. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It was never released in any cinemas outside of the US. So it made $15 million in the US. And then it was just straight to video everywhere else across the world. So I'm guessing it probably didn't make its money back, to be perfectly honest. I mean, if it's only got $15 in, in US cinemas... I can't imagine there's going to be many people elsewhere buying this one. Um, Obviously, the obvious comparison is Top Gun, which was made four years earlier in 1986. It was made for $15 million. So with inflation, probably not too dissimilar. Um, And that one grossed $357 million. So, yeah, something quite different. So the 63rd Academy Awards were held on the 25th of March, 1991. <laughs> I thought you were about to say nomination. For a <laughs> the, yeah, this was not troubling it. Uh, the films which were nominated that year, so we had Dances with Wolves, which was the winner. We had Awakenings, Ghost, Godfather Part 3 and Goodfellas. Goodfellas losing out to Dances with Wolves is up there with Brokeback Mountain losing to Crash or any other film that was made in 2018 losing to Green Book. Like, I don't understand how that one happened. Um, so we've got both ends of the spectrum there, I think, that the, the good ones and the bad ones. So IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores. Matt, what do you think? <clears throat> I've got to I've got to assume that root and tooting Americans are gonna much in the defensive guns in the wake of a school shooting they'll still defend it <laughs> you know to the hilt so i'm going to give i'm going to give the the audience score around the, the, the 60 mark but i'll give the critics around 35 40 Stu, what do you think uh, well, i've never heard of it i don't know anyone who's ever heard of it there's got to be a reason for that and even if it made 15 million per minute you got to think a lot of the people who probably went to watch this nonsense are probably dead now um, or don't, or don't know about the, this interwebs. Um, I'd be I'd be astonished if it's more than forty odd for both. Absolutely, I'll be amazed more than I mean more than anything else. I mean, uh, critics, I'd, if this gets over ten, that'd be a shock. But it's just a, <laughs> it's just a top gun cashing in. Yeah, and there, I mean, there was there was a se- apparently there was a series on an aircraft carrier. Um, after Top Gun, on that um, thing that you sent me, um, mm, yeah, 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 uh, that was cancelled after they, they cut the yeah they cut the budget after they cut the funding after one episode was aired, so they only they only showed eight, and that was a big budget TV show, let alone mm. an, another film ripping off Top Gun completely. So, no, hopefully they all hate it as much as I do. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, they did. So IMDb, it's got a 4.7, which is generous, to be honest. Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 35% and the critical score was 10%. <laughs> so you, you were right there, Stu. It, 10%. <laughs> yeah. So the only positive review I could find was from Roger Hulbert from the Florida Sun Sentinel. It may not be as glossy as Top Gun, but Firebirds is an above-average B-movie. That's the only positive review. <laughs> it's average, or just above average. So, yeah. John Hartle from the Seattle Times. 
If you think of movies as big screen video games, see Firebirds. If not, you may want to skip this Top Gun with copters and cartels. Michael Willington from LA Times, Lean, Mean, Clean and Empty Hearted. Firebirds is a video game recruiting poster with a bomb ticking inside. A bomb that never goes off. The fan response on Amazon.com. This film has got a 4.5 out of 5. <laughs> of course. With 94% giving it three stars or more. So Captain Awesome said, this film is good. All involved play their parts well. What you get is a feel-good American hero, let's kill the drug lord kind of film. Good action, explosions, arrogant young pilot who comes good, a love interest, all ingredients of Top Gun, but without Tom Cruise, better in my opinion. (laughs) And John Jenkins said, this is perhaps the coolest helicopter movie there is. Nicolas Cage is a psycho in this movie. Tommy Lee Jones is pretty cool. I mean, it might be the best helicopter movie ever made because I'm struggling to think of one this helicopter centric, to be perfectly honest. Black Hawk Down. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen that one, but that probably is the that's actually one. That's actually a really good film and not, not just a, a good war film. It's actually really good. Okay. That's a bit more acceptable then. Right, so tell me good, bad, and crazy then, please. Uh, Stu, start us off. I mean, they're good, though it's not very long. It's probably the, probably the best thing about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the action and my kind of fetish for helicopters, kind of, that was a, a box ticked, I suppose. Um, but it really is clutching at anything at all, let alone clutching at straws. It's just really shit. Um the bad, obviously, everything, literally everything about it. Even, even the even the even the music is like a, a rip off. Like it's the same mm. kind of beat, the same soundtrack. It's like it's almost like it's just got the blue points from Top Gun and just copied them and put a helicopter in. It's <laughs> I mean, literally all they've done. It's isn't the it? same film. Oh, just awful. I mean, the the crazy. I mean, the crazies. The crazy is the fact that they've got Tommy Lee Jones to do this. I mean, Nicholas Cage does any old shit anyway, and he's done quite mad stuff all through his career. But to get an actual proper star like that, and Sean Young on the back of Blade Runner, which I know, again, wasn't a massive success at the time, first out, but still. And you got um, Daryl Dyke as well, Mr. Mr. Military 80s, mm-hmm. who are... Um, he, does, he does seem to have, have some kind of military background. He has to. Cause he, Is he, he the all, guy that's in uh, Band of Brothers? Yeah, yeah, plays, yeah. Um, I can't remember who he plays, but he plays one of the senior. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He's in, he's like the the like the, the template Glenn Morshia. <laughs> um, yeah, even him, he he was good, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's really is trying to find anything to say other than it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> Matt, what have you got? Um, the good was nothing to do with Nick Cage. I could I could probably hear Tommy Lee Jones talk all day. I love just love his delivery, the way he delivers lines. He's naturally really funny, and I think he delivers mm-hmm. lines well. And he pretty much did that in this, really. But you know, it's part of the course. Everything, every film he plays the same character more or less, anyway. So it's not really to be um, to be surprised at. F- from the helicopter point of view, when they 
when they did the final the, the maneuver to get the enemy chopper in front of what was pretty cool i suppose hmm. it looked okay he was like oh we ducked down oh he's not there and now he's in front and then he, he said a line he said like nick cage's stupid cheesy line was actually gave us a, a small wry smile from me <laughs> um the bad though like the camera work during 95 percent of the flight scenes we were so difficult to watch because they were just full like there's fast cuts and then there's this like it was literally just cut after cut after cut after cut just just like zooming around i, I guess it's trying to create the sense of like panic or or just how manic it is while you're in the sky but god it was like it was off-putting it's hard to watch if anything like for someone that that can't play a first person shooter andy like i can't imagine what he would have been like to <laughs> yeah, watch it it wasn't pleasant it really wasn't they say um, they say saying a bit hard to watch i even though i knew it was on youtube i went and found a 1080p version obviously um and it was the same normally it was mp4 mp4 it wouldn't play my ps4 <laughs> It's uh, trying to like, save it from itself. Yeah, I've, so I even got I, I go into all out as well. I've got the screen down and everything. I've got the popcorn bowl ready, and I put <laughs> I put it on the same USB stick that I always use. It's got all the all the rest of the stuff in. Loaded it all up, surround sound headphones on, and it came off. Cannot read file. <laughs> Anything that doesn't happen very often. It, PS4 plays most things, apart from Firebirds. And I think how bad the sound mix was anyway. <laughs> I mean, there was yeah. some that was obviously dubbed over later on. Well, well, that's my crazy. Yeah. <laughs> because I put, it's all of the dialogue done in a sound booth because some of the, some of the sound, oh my God, it was absolutely awful. I thought like, uh, had the actors changed halfway through? <laughs> the, like, the, honestly, like, it was so off-putting. I felt like I was watching a, a Japanese dubbed version mm. in the club, especially. Like, yes, yeah, in the club was like the one where I where I wrote this note at that scene, because what? But what, what's the what's the benefit of that? Like, I don't know why they would do that. It's, it's obviously that whatever they'd originally got was either incomprehensible or mad bollocks, even madder than what they actually gave us. That that's the only explanation for it. Is it was too stupid even for this film, <laughs> so they had to try and rein it back in. Awful. My good was the same as yours, Stu. It was a merciful eighty-six minutes from the very start to the end of the credits. It was done and dusted, shortish. I've got nothing else positive to say about this film. <laughs> like unlike Top Gun, this one was propaganda on its sleeve. It felt very much like. Look at all this cool shit we've got. We've got a sexy young maniac who can sexually harass your co-workers. <laughs> Don't you want to do that too? Don't work in an office. Come join the DEA to fly helicopters. <laughs> Cage's character throughout this felt like he should have been done for sexual harassment. It was awful. Really bad. None of the characters here felt cool. Like there was no Maverick, Goose, Top Gun. These chuds just did not make you want to join the helicopter division at all. They'd make you want to join the drug cartel, let's be perfectly honest. And the crazy, my theory is, based purely on Nick Cage's accent in this film, Jake Preston makes it all the way to become a US Ranger. Then, when he's back from home, sorry, back home on leave, he goes to visit, visit his pregnant wife, where he's attacked by three local patrons of the bar. He accidentally kills one of them, went to prison, and then when he gets to be released, he has to go on a helicopter, sorry, on an airplane to go back home. This is the precursor to Connor. 
<laughs> okay. That's that's what I think this is. <clears throat> Interesting. He find where what point does he stop being a sex pest then? When he's in prison and he he becomes the victim of the of the sexing. That's it. Yeah. There we go. Got to be. It's got to be. Uh, also, I've got the director David Green. He started his directing career back in 1973 when he directed Emmerdale Farm. <laughs> he went on to direct 60 episodes over three years before doing Buster and then this. And also, IMDb might have the most boring trivia page I have read for any film because almost every entry is just talking about what helicopter models were used and they weren't the actual helicopters that were in the film. It was fucking tedious. So, did you enjoy the film? Matt? Uh, Need I say more? No, it was... um... Mercifully, like you said, short. But no, I can't. I I, I can't even. Be, I wouldn't even begin to try and fake that I enjoyed this, and then bring it back around and say it was terrible. It was just. It was just terrible. Hmm. Stu, yeah. As I, as I spoiled last week, that this is in my. Unless anything else mental happens in the next twelve months, this is going to be in my worst five ever that we uh, Nick Cage films that we've watched in a year's time because it's absolute shit. No, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, I know like last week I'd put Birdie in at number five, and at least Birdie had a good Nick Cage performance for me. This this hasn't got that. I know I'm spoiling the next question, but I don't think it's a surprise to say that this whole film, there was just no jeopardy for the characters. They were fighting a nameless, faceless organisation. So at no point did I feel our characters were in trouble, so I didn't really care about them. And then we had 20 minutes of helicopter flying at the end. Like it, there was just nothing. It was really <laughs> just pointless. So based on this film and this film alone, was Nick Cage good or bad? I've already said that he was bad. It's the most nondescript Nick Cage performance that we've had, bar that piss poor accent, which was the only thing that gave his character a little bit of a second dimension, which is a fucking stretch of a thing to have to say. Stu, good or bad? I mean, it's terrible. It's a, it's a, the only bit we kind of get, like like I mentioned that. There's a bit. There's a few moments of crazy cage like when she turns it. When she, he has a go at her for for enlisting instead of going to work in an office or something to be safe, and she t- she tells him to fuck off pretty much, and he he kind of throws a strop and throws his arms around <laughs> on, the, on the runway. You, what is that? Like, how can you be? How can you be this kind of someone in charge of multi million pound machines and act like a like a twat? Because the girl, the woman that you like, who doesn't even like you, has, to, has said that she wants a career in the job that she's actually got now, rather than mm. sit at home and not get killed for you. It's, oh, no. I mean, there, there was very few moments of him doing anything that we kind of, we associate with him and when he does it well, it's fun. But I think you can't really judge it either because half of the performances were in a, in a VO booth and he really can't do it. So... Mm. It was it was doubly shit. <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts? No, he, he sadly for him. I thought at one at one point when he started being like super arrogant. Oh, actually, you know, there's there's elements of this, but then it just descended into no, not not at all. Isn't uh, to his credit, I, you know, he wasn't given the material to work with. 
but at the same time, that can't be an excuse every week for shit films. You can't keep rolling <laughs> that excuse out. So, so it's a no. Okay, so we'll round it off then. I want you to finish the sentence. If you enjoyed Firebirds or Wings of the Apache, whatever you want to call it, you may also like Stu. I mean, the obvious ones to say Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick, isn't it? But if you want something that's not Top Gun and that's a bit military-based and that's actually okay, um, go and find the box set of Sequest DSV for a bit of submarine action. <laughs> I've never even heard of that one before. What? <laughs> it, it used to be it used to be on ITV on a Saturday night. Sequest DSV. Okay, right. Is this like are we talking back when the A team was on? No, no, it was later than that. It was like mid nineties, I'm sure it was. Okay. No, brand new on me, that one is sure. Uh, that's just a quick search. <laughs> <laughs> Sequest. See, it comes straight away, nineteen ninety three. Who's in it that you'll know? Uh Don Franklin, no. Ted Raimi. Okay. Rob Sh- Roy Schneider. Jonathan Brandis, I know him. Okay, there are a few faces I do recognise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of it. Though, <laughs> Stephanie Beecham. <laughs> I'll be Ion- honest, I'm probably never going to watch it, Stu. Michael Ironside. <laughs> can, you not, can you not watch this? Mm, I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> it's got a 6.7. It was only on for three years, 57 episodes. There you go. There's a summer done. <laughs> Great, thank you. Uh, Matt? Uh, I really couldn't think of anything that I could remotely even link to this, um, and only because I saw it in a YouTube wormhole I was in. Just go watch Tropic Thunder. It's got a helicopter <laughs> in it at some point. It's very funny. So there you go. Yeah, that's fair. I've got two, I've got like a good one and a shit one as well. Because obviously there's the obvious answer, as we've mentioned several times, obviously just watch Top Gun, it's a better film. But if you want something that's a bit left field, Sharknado, it's a sub 90 minute film where it ends with the the characters in a helicopter, so that's fine. And also I've eaten at the pizzeria featured in Sharknado too, so that's kind of cool as well. Uh, if you want something good, though, I would recommend Sicario. I think that's a much more oh, interesting yes. look at mm. um, the US government battling against drug cartels, trying to bring drugs into the US. The second one isn't as good, if I'm honest. Um, it really lacks not having Emily Blunt in there for the sequel. But yeah, watch the first one. It's fantastic. And the yeah. third one's out soon, eh? Is it still Denis Villeneuve doing it? Or... I'm sure I saw a trailer for it about a month ago. Oh, okay. Unless I, I hadn't realised. Unless I dreamt it. And there's one called American, no, American Sicario, but that's last year. Um, I don't know. There's nothing on the, the IMDb. Hang on. Riveting there. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put a cut in at this point. Yeah. There you are. Josh Brolin, hopes. I think it already in the works. Yeah. It was fully written, so maybe it was just the logo thing. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'll, I'll watch it because I, I really like the first one. The second was a bit of a swing and a miss, but 
you never know, it might get back to its former glory, but I do think that's well worth a watch. I think it's a cracking movie. Right, so that's another Nick Cage film in the record books. Uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at the second part of 2022, so what we've got to look forward to. And then the week after that, we'll be looking back at the films from January to June, so we're doing the first half of the year. Uh, just telling you what we would recommend in a few categories. So please make sure you join us for that. Make sure you've got us on whatever podcatcher you are listening to. And if you could leave a review, we would truly appreciate it. If you've got any emails, send them into cagefightingpod at gmail.com and make sure you've got us on the show socials at, at cagefightingpod. So for this week, Matthew, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Stuart, would you like to say goodbye? Davide is a fraud. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other.